So we come to the word of the Lord this morning. I want to talk to you this morning as we continue in our study, as we go through uh, the book of Mark. I want to talk to you about the mystery of Christian growth. The mystery, and if you think about a mystery, people think always, ah, this is a new revelation. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And there is a mystery in growth, isn't there? If you look at babies, how they grow up, there's a mystery behind that, how they grow up, how people grow. Uh, how, if you look at plants, how they grow. But I want to continue on as we look at the parables of the kingdom of God. The parables of the kingdom of God. And we saw, we saw that in a parable, the word that is broken into it means to cast the earthly story next to a biblical or a spiritual truth. And we're going to see another story today. You remember the story about the sower and the seeds a few weeks ago. The parable of the sower, and we learned out of that and asked the question, what are you doing with the gospel? What are we doing with the gospel? The seed has been sown in your life. You hear the word of God. What are you doing with it? Some people, is like the wayside people, it just come in and it floats off. Other people, and I'm not going to preach that over again, but you know what happens. Some of it falls on the rocky ground, some of it falls into the thorns, into a really uh, complicated lifestyle where your heart is so crowded with everything and you want to give Jesus just a small part of that and then some fall into the good ground. And then or the parable of the lamp, not the lamb, the lamp, which brings light. And you remember the question that was asked, do we put it under a bed or do we put it under a basket? And the question that came through all of that, the application of the parable was, what are you doing with the light? Who is the light? Jesus Christ. Who is the sower? Jesus Christ. What is the seed? The gospel. And these things is important for us. And, and you might ask the question, you might say, preacher, what has this all got to do with me? I come here every Sunday, I hear these words. It is for you to grow. That itself is a mystery. I found it over, over my whole life's preached the Word of God. And I've preached to a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people come and go. Sitting under the preaching for some time, and then they move on in life. And that's good. It's very good. People should not come and just stay. But I've seen, as I preached over a lot of people, how some people grow in the Word and others not. And that in itself to me is a mystery. If you think about it, I preach the same words. I preach the same message to the same people. Yet there's just some people where it will go in and it will go on. And this is going to be answered today. We're going to look at that. And I found an answer in my life by preaching the gospel to so many people. I've been privileged in my life to see people accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and seeing their lives change around. I've been privileged to see that. And I know as I preach the gospel and sow the seed as, as a clay pot in the hands of the master, as a clay pot in the hands of God, because he sees it there in Jeremiah, you and I are like clay and God is the potter. He makes us and he molds us. And here is the thing. I've seen young people, young people said no to the seed. 
because they say, I've still got a life to live. But I've seen also that older people, not young people more, who says, no, my heart is so hardened now, I've been so established in a lot of things, I'm not going to change. And this is the mystery, the mystery of the kingdom of God. Even this morning, as I'm preaching this word, I don't know, I don't know, honestly, where this word is going to go in this morning. Are you going to grow from this? You see, there's a lot of things that affects the seed to grow. And the parable of the sower is one of those things that identify those things. How did you come into this building this morning? Did you come with an eager heart, not to hear me speak, but to hear behind my voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit? Have you come here with an eager heart to receive the Word of God into your life, into good that is your lifestyle and apply every single thing that you hear to your life this week. Have you? This is the mystery. It is a wonderful and a marvelous mystery, brother and sister. And you say, how is it wonderful and marvelous? It's a mystery. It's because I cannot control it. I can't control it because you are not a machine. I can control a machine. I can. You know how I do that? I come to my computer and I get an expert in and I say, I want you to put a new system into this computer and it does every single thing I ask of it. But you are not a computer. You're a human being who's got your own will, who's got your own thoughts and who has been impacted by the way that you grew up in life, the impact of your parents upon your life, the impact of your friends upon your life, the impact of society upon your life, and that will establish how you receive the Word of God. But here is the good news. This Word, the Gospel, if it falls on good soil, doesn't matter where you come from. You could be a Mexican. You could be from the Philippines, you could be from South Africa, you could be a Aussie, a Kiwi, an Italian, an Indian, doesn't matter where you come from. But when this good word and the seed of God falls into good soil, the growth is the same. How wonderful is that? He saves you the same that He saves everybody else, and you grow the same. Now today's parable is going to describe to us this, this mysterious growth of faith in the life of a child of God. This is what today's parable is going to show us. So let's read it. In Mark chapter 4 verse 26, he says, and he said, this is Jesus, the kingdom of God. Now let's stop there for a moment. He talks about the kingdom of God. Has that kingdom come already? Yes. How did it come? It come via Jesus Christ. And he established it. Listen now very carefully. He established it where? In the hearts of His children. How? By sending the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. This is important to understand. Why? Because there's so many false preachers out there who preach a kingdom now theology. Have you heard about that? The kingdom now theology. And they just want to take over your life with kingdom principles and all of those things. If you haven't heard about it, you don't waste your time. Just stay with the word. But here it is. He says the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself do not know how. 
for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. That's the parable. And again, if I can bring you back to the day when Jesus was talking, there was a multitude of people there. And what did they hear? They heard this. They heard this. They heard the story of a farmer. That's what they heard. And, and the question is, you know, if you think about a farmer, the question is, how does this happen? How does this happen that a, a seed falls into the ground and then it sprouts and then the blade comes out in the head and then it grows into a plant? How does it happen? I used to know a, a farmer in South Africa was from Western Transvaal, is where all the pharmacies, they, they, they grow um, and, um, grain and, and so on. And I used to know this farmer, and it was amazing to me to see this man operate. He would go at a certain stage, and he would go and buy seed. He would pay a lot of money for seed. They, they would bring it to him in bag loads. And I was standing there one day on his farm seeing this. And, and this seed, if you take a handful of it and you lift it out, is it alive or is it dead? It's dead, but it's also alive. And that's a mystery to us. You look at this thing and it doesn't move in your hand. And you go, this is dead, it's not moving, there's nothing going on here. But it's also alive. And that's so wonderful. And then this friend of mine would take the seed, paid a lot of money for it. He would prepare the ground. He would plow it. And he would plow it again. And he would plow it again. And he takes money for the petrol in the tractor to do that. And he would come at the end of the day and he's wet and he's warm. You know, you know he's hard work. And he would take the seed that he paid so much money for which is dead, but it's also alive. And we throw it into the ground. He would just scatter it into the ground. And some people will look at that and say, what a waste. But this farmer, he would put it into the ground, and then he would do what? He would go and sleep. Because at that point in time, he can do nothing more. Nothing more. Now it becomes a time of wait. Oh, farmers is patient, aren't they? They know how to wait. And you know, in Western Transvaal, they didn't have irrigation, so he would wait for what? For the rain. He would wait for the first rain, and then he waited for the middle rain, and then for the latter rain, for the rain to come at, at the end. But this is so amazing. So this farmer would wake up one morning, it would walk out, and all he could see is what? The ground. There's nothing there. But he knows. He knows that he puts seed into the ground. And this is where his faith is starting to build now. And he goes, one day I want to wake up. And he walks out. And what would he see? What will he see? Little green things coming out of the ground. The whole paddock is full of it. And that is where it says here that first comes out the blade. And when he sees this first thing, now here is the question which the biologist can't even work out. How does that happen? 
You see, the biologists can go in and they can study each phase of the growth of a plant, and they can tell you and write books about this. I know because I studied it when I became a teacher. I even taught it when I was a, a teacher for children. I can tell you all of the phases it goes through. You know, we can take the blade stage and we can pull it out and we can take photos and cut it open. But here is the thing, brother and sister, dear listener, that is a mystery how it happens. Can you explain the growth of a plant? Can you explain it? Can somebody stand up and say, this is how it works, that's something, something that's dead, and sometimes it's a seed that's been dead for a year or two years or three years, starts growing all of a sudden. How can you explain that? You see, that's when we look at science and we go to the, to the biologist and say, tell us how this happened. And they spin their stories, but they can't. They can't. If we, and if we can't find the answers in science, where do we go? You tell me. Where do we go if we can't find the answer in science? We go to the Word of God. I know how it works. I've seen the mystery. And here it is. We find in Genesis chapter 1 verse 11, the following. He says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herbs that yield seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed in, is in itself on the earth, and it was so. You see, brothers, if you want to have faith in God, and if you want to understand how a plant grows, then you go to God, and you believe that He is a creator God who created everything. But if you dish up this nonsense and rubbish, which they teach in schools now, evolution, then you haven't got the you haven't food, it's gone. You have to tell lies to the children. You have to tell them that we're all apes and we're all animals. But how can you explain to a child how a plant grows? The only place is that there's a creator God. And, and the verse says in verse 12, And the earth brought forth grass and the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. That's the mystery explained. But still, still you can't explain it. Can you? So how do we believe this then? By faith. By faith. Faith is an evidence of, of things we haven't seen. It's the substance thereof. Now this is going to be so wonderful, so marvelous, that one day when we are with God out of this life and we are with Him, you, you know what you can ask Him? You can ask Him this. You can say, God, can you please, please explain to me, how does this work? And you know what? He will show you. And here we are, we think we are so smart, aren't we? We know everything. I mean, we make cars now that runs on batteries. And we think we so made the Apple iPhone. We think, wow, look at that. That's an achievement for mankind. That's nothing. That's nothing. This is something. How a plant grows. And it's so wonderful. And it's so marvelous. In Mark chapter 4, verse 28, once we finish off this, uh, this parable, he says... Uh, the man goes to sleep, he rises by the day, and then he sees it's growing up. And he doesn't know. Look, he sees it right there. And he himself doesn't know how this happens, how these things grow. But God knows, because he made it so. 
And then we find in verse 29, but when the grain ripens, immediately there's our man Mark's words again. He puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And that's the parable. Some will hear the story and they will think how wonderful. And if you walk afterwards and you ask them, what did Jesus talk about today? Oh yeah, he talked about a farmer who didn't know how the, the plants and the seeds grow. And you know, that's what he was talking about. But if it's in parable, then there's also a spiritual application, isn't it? So let's look at the spiritual application. He says there in verse 26, The kingdom of God is as a man who should scatter seed on the ground. Remember, and this understand what? All the first parable about the sower, he taught us some things. The seed is the gospel. That's what it is in the first parable. The seed is the gospel. So when we read this parable, the kingdom of God is a man who scatters seed. So the spiritual application is what? The gospel has been scattered all over the ground. Who's the ground? The human heart. Remember the first parable? He shows us four different soils. Who is the soil? It's you. It's this heart of yours. So we know now the seed is the gospel and the ground is the human heart. And now we learn that growth depends on good seed and good soil. That's the first parable again, isn't it? Is the seed good? The gospel is always good. The seed is pure. But let me just warn you, there are some people now in our society who changes the, the seed. They teach you a different gospel which is not the gospel of the word. Watch out for those. But I don't want to waste time on that this morning. The seed. And then he talks about the grant, which is good soil. That's what we want to be. He says the kingdom of God is like this. Now this is foolish to many. Would you believe it? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says, for the message of the cross, what is that message? It is the gospel. The message of the cross is the gospel. The gospel means that Jesus Christ came and He died for our sins. He, he went to the grave, He was raised, and He went up into, in, in, into heaven. That's the gospel. So He says here, for the message of the gospel, which He says here of the cross, is foolishness to those who are perishing. Think about this. You know those people who say, are you going to church? Come on, what's, what's with you? And you say, no, we hear the gospel. For them it is foolishness. What are they doing? They are perishing. I feel sorry for them. I really feel sad for them. How privileged are you sitting here this morning hearing the gospel? If they are perishing, what are you doing? You're alive. You're alive because He gave you life. He says it there, but to us, who's been saved, it is what? Glenn? The power of God. Say it with a deep voice of you, Glenn. No, you can do better, brother. The power of God. Amen. <laughs> what is it? It is the power of God. Hallelujah. There is power, power in the blood of Christ. Amen. You see, the gospel for people is for, for its foolishness to them that are perishing. But for us, it's the power of God. And we should stand fast in the gospel. Listen to this verse now. 
Again, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 15.1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I do you the gospel. And let me just say, brother and sister, and I'm serious by saying it. We are living in the end times. Let no one bring to you the gospel plus something else. The gospel is freedom in Christ. The gospel is freedom through the Holy Spirit. The gospel is Jesus Christ came and He fulfilled the whole law. Not just parts of the law. He fulfilled the whole law for you. That you can have life in Christ. And He gave it to you by grace. We are living in the dispensation of grace. How wonderful and marvelous is that? That means in this grace time that we're living, that while you still breathe, you can call upon the name of the, of the Lord. And you know what will save you? Jesus Christ will save you. Why? Because of the gospel. Paul is clear in this. He says, I preach to you. What did Paul preach? The gospel. What is the center of the gospel? Jesus Christ. The cross. The cross of Christ is the center of the Bible. Not the birth of Christ. Not His life. But His death at the cross. Here is the thing, brother and sister. If Jesus Christ... Like some people are saying now that He took on the sinful nature of man. He didn't take on the sinful nature of man. He took on the man, but He was sinless. There was no sin found in Him. No sin at all. If He came and took on the sinful nature and He, and he, and he lost Him and He became a dictator, we wouldn't have been free in Christ. The cross is important. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. He had to die so that we may live. Listen to, the, listen to the, the parable this morning. The seed falling to the ground and the seed, what, do, what happens with the seed? It dies. And then it lives. It grows. This is important. The gospel which He said, I preach to you, which also you received. That's important, isn't it? Some people do not receive the gospel. They are still under the law, some people. If you go back to the old Orthodox Jews, they are still under the law. These other, other organizations who are still under the law, they haven't received the gospel yet. These people who preach this a different haven't, they haven't received the gospel. You have to receive the gospel. And then what do you do after you've received it? In which you stand. You stand in the gospel by which you also are saved. This is a powerful scripture. In vain. Now, as a plant who grows is a mystery, spiritual growth is also a mystery. I said it to you when I started preaching today. I, I've been preaching now for over 20 years, and I can't tell you how it is that I preach the same gospel to the same people and you can see some grow and some don't. It's a mystery to me. It's the same as a seed. In John chapter 4 verse 30, uh, 37, he says, For this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. You see, that's even interesting. 
Because how many times have you shared the gospel to somebody and it doesn't go in and then fight? Because, but it's that you throw in. And one sows and another. This is interesting. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6, Paul writes, he says, I planted. You see that? Apollos, who's also a preacher, he watered. How did he water it? How do you water the gospel? By the word. By the word. If you go to Ephesians chapter 5, he talks about a husband and a wife. And he says, I washed the wife with what? With the word. The word is the water. I'm going to show it to you later on. He says, I planted Apollos watered, but, everybody say but, God gave the increase. Now that there is the mystery. I can preach. Another preacher can come into this place. He preaches well. You go, I've heard this so many times from you, Pastor John, but this man came in and he preached, and he preached the same principles. That's the water, but God gives the increase. God gives the increase. Then neither he who plants, which is Paul, or is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase, he's everything. This is why I often say to you, brother and sister, I'm just a clay pot standing here proclaiming His Word. There's nothing special about me. What I do, you can do. You can also come up here and preach. You can also open up the Word. You might have your own style, your own, your, your own character. You can do it in your own way. But as soon as you put words and voice to the Word of God, it becomes the Rima Word. It is the Logos, the written word, and I'm speaking it now to you, so it becomes Rima to you. You take it in. You receive it. It's not my word. It's His word. I can get a 10-year-old child coming in here, open the Bible, and they read to you the passage. I mean, Nitu's son, uh, um, um, uh, he comes up here and he, and he quoted like the other day, the whole psalm. Did you hear that? What did he do? He put voice to the word of God. And that's so marvelous. He said, but God is everything. He's everything. And he says in verse 8, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's field. goes back to the parable. We are the soil. We are the ground. You see this? So there's two mysteries that this parable shows us. And well, I'll show you the two mysteries and I'll give you two, three scripture verses and then we finished, okay? The first mystery here is, let's, let's look at this. It's truth grows beyond man's knowledge. Truth grows beyond man's knowledge. That's a mystery. That's absolutely mystery. You see, grow, he himself does. When you listen to the farmer, the seed goes into the ground and it sprouts and it grows, but the farmer doesn't know how this happened. And in a spiritual sense, we don't know how it happens as well. You see, <coughs> history of life outside of the knowledge of man. We can't. And this is why how you experience Christ is different than I experience Him. What brings us together in unity is the Word of God. It's Jesus. When you 
always younger with a relationship where you got bullied or something. You the gospel, and you hear and those those words of it falls onto good soil because it heals what's inside of you. But the person that's sitting next to you, he wasn't bullied in his whole life. He had good relationships in his whole life. The same word goes out to them. The same word, the one it heals that part of it. The other one sits there and it strengthens their faith. This is this is so wonderful. I can't stop saying it. It is so wonderful how God works. And, and it's, it is so wonderful that He puts the truth of growth beyond our knowledge that we can't anticipate it. Why would He do that? Because if it becomes part of your knowledge, what would man want to do? We are a lot of control freaks, isn't it? We would like to control that. Just look at your children when they grow up. You would like to control their knowledge of growth, wouldn't you? walk over to them and say, I'm telling you, you're going to do it in this way, because I know and you don't. Have we done that? And guess what happens with children when you say to them, don't touch that thing. Guess what happens? They touch it. And this is it. That growth of that child is beyond your knowledge. One day, one day when you come to them and you say to them, I'm going to give you some good advice, and you gave that advice and they take it the first time. They're just going to go, Dad, I I believe you, that's good. And you go, how did that happen? They never listened to me. Isn't that right, Brad? They never listened to me. How did that happen? I find it so fascinating as I grow older and children who's now adult children. You go through phases in that. At one stage, you're everything. My dad is the hero, he's the king, he knows everything. And then they grow older and within a day you become a summer. You know, he just on it. And then you say to them, the, the, same, the same children, they still got the same name, the, your last name, and then you talk to them and they say, Dad, you know nothing. Jesus, well, I thought, geez, you know, just a, a year ago I knew everything. It's because we can't control it. It's so amazing that when they grow up and you become older and you're this wise old man, one day they sit down with you and they ask you a question. You go, where did that come from? Are they listening again? So this is, this is it. We can't control it. And that's one of the mysteries that Jesus Christ is trying to tell people about the kingdom of God. You can't control the truth. It's knowledge. The second, the second thing that we learn about this is that truth grows beyond man's control. It's beyond our knowledge and it's beyond our control. You see, it's beyond our knowledge because in, 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 in the parable he said the seed sprout and it grows and the farmer doesn't even know how it works. Same in the spiritual sense. And now the truth grows beyond man's control for the earth yields its crop by itself. Who yields the crop? The earth. The earth. This farmer friend of me in South Africa, you know what? Once he's thrown that seed into the ground, he can do nothing. The earth now needs to do their work. It's outside of his control. One of the biggest problems with mankind is our control. We want to control things. And, and, and so true about our spiritual life. It's so true. We want to control our spiritual life. We want to grow ourselves faster than we ought to grow. 
And again, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm coming back to it. No, I'm not. I'm going to say it like it is. The only one way that you can control things is if you've got a list of rules that you can abide. You go down, rule number one, today, tick, I've done that. Rule number two, tick, I've done that. Rule number three, tick, I've done it. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Alt, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. All of these rules, I've done it. Who's done it? I've done it. Who's done it? I've done it. Who? I. Who? Who's controlling it then? I. But what if you tick out all 20 of those today and tomorrow you miss on five? How are you going to feel? Out of control. I've lost control. And if you lose control, what's starting to seep into your life? Guilt. I should have been better. Come on, let's face it. Let's be honest. We've all gone through these phases. Oh, I should have been doing uh, I don't know how I've missed that. Can, can, can you see what I'm painting for you here? Can you see what Jesus is trying to tell us here? Growth is outside of our knowledge. And it's outside of our control. This is why we can't grow our children. They grow by themselves. They grow mature by themselves. Some of our children are mature when they're 10 years old. I've seen in my lifetime 10-year-olds who's more mature than 30-year-olds. I've seen it. True story. I've also seen mature 30-year-olds who's more mature than another 30-year-old. It's amazing for us. It's a mystery to us. The same goes in, but it's a different outcome. And here it is. This is what man's problem is. We want control every single thing and if I'm under the law I can control it man I can try to be a good Christian I can and and look I, I, I'm not beating down the law and saying we've got to get rid of the law Christ came and fulfilled the law we fulfill the law through Christ in him who's controlling it in your lives he is through the Holy Spirit who's helping us now am I still failing yes there's no perfect person sitting in this room right now is there will you please stand up and tell us how you do it I'd be all years. I think I'm in good company, by the way, because if you think of Paul, he writes down these words, which I find fascinating. He says, the things I want to do, what happens? I don't do them. The things I want to do, is that you? It certainly is me. I can tell you a few things this week that I wanted to do, and I never came to it. I procrastinated on a few things. I say it to you this morning. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do them. And then he goes on to say, the things I don't want to do, what happens? I do them. I do them. You can't control. You have to come to Christ and give it over to Him. This parable is all about the growth thereof. You see, the problem with trying to control something, it speaks to our ego, isn't it? That word there. The ego. You know what an ego do? What's the next word if you put a G there where the, where the O is? What do you call it? Ego, if you take the O away and you put a G in there, a second G, what do you call it? Come on, say it loud. Yeah, so you see your ego makes sometimes of you an egg. You know, our egos can get us sometimes when we go, man, why did I do that? And that's the same thing in a spiritual sense as well. You see, 
Our ego wants to control the speed of growth. We want to have this thing happen quickly, and this causes impatience. And this is why Jesus tells them, he says, when you look at a farmer, he throws it in. What comes up first? The blade. The blade. I know if I'm a farmer, that's why I'm not a farmer, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not that patient. I look at that friend of mine and he throws it in and then he goes to sleep and it takes him nearly a week, a week and a half before the blades comes out. I go, what is this? I can't wait that long. No, no. If I throw it in within one week, man, I want to see the head. I want to see the full fruit in the head. I want to start chopping it off and this is me. And this is unfortunately what happens with us. It's because of our ego. You know, there's your farm and I'm next to your farm and we both throw in our seeds into the farm. My ego says I'm a better farmer than you. And then what I do, man, I put some fertilizer in there and I walk up and down every day and I go, there's nothing there. And I start digging in there and say, where's that seed? Where's that seed? Let me just get you out of there. And then I'm going to go, why are you not? Maybe it's lying on the wrong side. Turn it over, close it down, walk away. The farmer next door, he goes sleep. Then the next day I wake up and I go out there. My ego is pushing me now. I'm so impatient and I walk in there. Jesus, I turned you on your left side yesterday. Dig it up again. Dig it up again. Take it out and go, what's going on? On its head. Boom. Turn it. Close it up again. Off you walk. That is what we do because I want to be better than the person next door. But no, this is it. First the blade comes out, then the head, and after that, the full grain. And now the question is, brother and sister, how does this happen? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. And God is in control of that. Two verses. Two verses and then we'll pray and we'll go. In Second Peter, there's two things that we can grow in. There's two things we can grow in that we've got a little bit of an impact on in our lives. Leave the mystery over to, over to God and say, Father, I'm going to take the seed in, how the seed goes into my mouth. All I want to do is apply it to my life, step by step. But these are two things. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, Peter writes, he says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. You see, he says, beware that you fall from your own steadfastness. What does it mean when you fall from your steadfastness? It is when you become sloppy and lazy and procrastinating. Watch out for those things. He says, being led away with the error of the wicked. But, but, grow in the grace. That word that he used there, grow, is the same word that we saw in the parable. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How can you control that? You see, I talked it's control but here's something which is a good control. How can you control it? How can you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord? Through the Word. Spend time with Him. Spend time with Him. And it's an amazing that He says you need to grow in the grace. Have you seen that? What is grace? Yes. It's the pardon that He gave us. What is grace? You need to go and sit there and say, Lord, I want to grow in grace. Here is the mystery about he saved us by grace. We didn't deserve it. It's something that you did not deserve. That's what grace is. The more you give, how do you grow in grace? You do what, what, what uh, Paul says in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. 
He says, I urge you, brothers, to give your bodies as a living sacrifice to Christ. That's the acceptable gospel. That's the acceptable service. How do I grow in grace? Grace is a free gift from Him. No, no works that you do. But the second part, knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The knowledge comes via His Word. Learning from Him. So the first thing you can grow in is grace. What's the second one? Romans chapter 10 says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? In whom they have not believed. You see, they come, we come back to our word here. And by the way, when they came to Jesus in John chapter 7, I think it is, they, or John chapter 6 or 7, they came to Jesus and they said, what works must we do to do the works of God? You remember that? Can somebody just see? I, I, I don't want to misquote you. Let me just quickly see. No, I don't want we may work the works of God. And Jesus said to them, the works that you do is by believing in Him. That's the work you do. Can't see it right now. It's John chapter, I'll give it to you. They came to Jesus. They said, what works should we do? That we'd be better. What works can we do? And He said, the works that you need is to believe in the Son of God. That's the works you do. And here we find it again. He said, they call on Him who they have believed. And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are seen? This is a wonderful scripture. I need to preach on it one day. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. What happened? They have not all obeyed the what? The law. They have not all obeyed the preacher, the church. They have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord has believed our report. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's a wonderful scripture verse. So there you have the parable this morning. Jesus came out and he spoke about the farmer who threw seed into the, into the ground. Some people will only hear the beautiful story about the farmer. Let's put a collection of our farmers. Jesus spoke about the farmers. No, that's not what the story is about. There's a spiritual application. And then we finish this morning, if somebody can call my wife, in Mark chapter 4, verse 29. He says, but when the grain ripens, immediately he puts the sickle, because the harvest has come. There is a parable over in Matthew chapter 13 who speaks about this as well. This talks about judgment. This is a metaphor for the end time harvesting. This part, when he puts in the sickle. It talks about judgment. And in Matthew chapter 13, the parable says it more directly. He says that when, when sometimes one sleeps, an enemy comes and he throw in between that tears. Tears grow up. 
And once the weed grow up, you can't see a tear in a wheat when they're small. Which one is which? They look the same. But it's only once they grow up and come into the seed phase. What does he say in Matthew 13? He says they come first and they take the tears out and burn them. And then he comes and he takes all of the wheat. And what happens? He collects it into his barn. That's what it says in that scripture verse. Where is the barn of Christ? It's with Him. It's with Him. It's a judgment verse, this verse. You want to make sure that you're on the right side of that judgment. Are you a tear or are you part of the grain? How wonderful is the passage this morning? Have we learned something this morning? We've learned that life is a mystery, isn't it? Let's pray. This morning for your word.